You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Whether you need a battery for your truck or a battery for your trail camera or a specialized battery for your rangefinder or a crazy toy that you bought for your kids, Interstate Batteries has got you covered. Stop into a local Interstate Battery retail store, talk with a specialist, get the battery that you need, and go on about your day. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we have a really awesome conversation with Kent Boucher about what it actually means to be a conservationist. Now, there's a group of people out there who think that just because you hunt, you're a conservationist, or just because you buy a hunting or a fishing license, that automatically makes you a conservationist. And although I probably disagree, in some way, shape, or form, you're giving back to the natural resource that I guess we all take away from, but there is much, much more that goes into it than just buying a hunting and fishing license. And today, Kent is going to walk us through that. He wrote an article in the Iowa Sportsman magazine that was very interesting, and I think it was worth our while to bring him on and talk about that article. Really, really interesting uh, conversation about conservation, what it means to be a conservationist. But before we get into this episode, if you haven't had the opportunity to go check out Quiet Cat, the e-bike that can take you just about anywhere and is really fun to ride around in, you need to go to their website, quietcat.com. Take a look at their lineup of e-bikes. And I'm just going to throw out a couple scenarios that I think an e-bike would be absolutely awesome for uh, in in Iowa, right? Let's just say you're getting older or you have bad knees or um, it's, it's harder for you to get around, but you still want to get out there and hunt and get as far back as possible. Get on an e-bike, which is just like riding a bike, but the best part about it, it has pedal assist or even a throttle that when engaged allows you to get a little power behind you and uh, you can make it up hills you can uh, go long distances and it's just like riding a powered bike and it's awesome right Uh, they're fun to ride around in Um, I me and my wife went out to Colorado a couple weeks ago actually it was last month and we took them up in the mountains and they can go up some pretty steep inclines and do it you know very safely uh they're fun they're uh functional the other let's see the other one is that if uh you hunt a long way back from where you park your truck or maybe even access right and you don't want to bump deer out of a field like a truck would these quiet cats are quiet. They make hardly any sound other than the tires running on the ground, right? It allows you to get all the way back into your farm without bumping deer and, you know, possibly backdooring them and getting a natural flow of deer movement through the, you know, through the farm. So those are just a couple of scenarios. If you guys want to find out more about Quiet Cat and check out all the different e-bikes that these guys offer, visit 
quietcat.com. That's the end of the commercial. Let's get into today's episode with Kent Boucher. All right. On the phone with me today, Mr. Kent Boucher. Kent, how you doing, man? All things considered, Dan, doing pretty well, man. Yeah. Getting getting excited for hunting season here starting officially tomorrow, right? No. Uh is that's the like youth season? Well, I think I think it's uh rabbits and squirrels oh, open okay. up tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, rabbits and squirrels and I think um I think there's something else. There's a there's that teal season that is coming in pretty soon. Yep. But yep. September and, and doves. Yeah, and doves. And so September really is the the sportsman's kickoff to fall but yeah. you know i don't know about you but i don't do any of that other stuff so <laughs> <laughs> so i am biting at the you know i'm chomping at the bit to get to uh october 1st man yeah no i hear you it, the the dove hunting the squirrel hunting and the rabbit hunting is all great i enjoy it but it, you're right it's just kind of biting time until until we get there with the with the whitetails so do you fish much yeah, yeah, uh, not as much as I I did pre kids, but <laughs> but but uh, I did quite a bit of trout fishing this summer and and uh, you know hitting some small farm ponds that kind of thing and right. and uh, enjoyed that. So what um, where whereabouts in the state do you live? You're gonna have to remind me. I'm over in Davenport. Okay. So okay. So I, I not should too far I should from take. Me. Yeah, yeah. I think you're kind of Iowa City area, right? Yep. yep right in between. So, uh, let's see good summer so far. And I tell you what, it's been hot this weekend has been really nice. Uh, and I'm kind of, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of ready for the summer to be over and get into those hooded sweatshirt days where you can wear a hooded sweatshirt all day long, not get hot, not get cold, but just feel really comfortable in a hooded sweatshirt. Dude, I feel you, man. The, the heat just <laughs> it gets to me oh, yeah. you know I, I i like to be in jeans and like a flannel or a hoodie yeah all the time you know yep absolutely well you're on again today because you wrote another article for the iowa sportsman magazine called camouflage conservation and it's going to talk a little bit about the role that hunters play as conservationists you know throughout north america and you sure. know iowa as well so why don't you give us a very high level overview of what this article was about and then let's break it down from there. Yeah. So, uh, I was asked to write this article and kind of, you know, make a case for how, and, and, you know, I, I want to be careful here because sometimes I think we, we as hunters can take on that persecuted mindset a little bit too much. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like we always, we kind of act like everyone's out to get us or something. I, I just don't think that's, I don't think that's necessarily the, the case. You know, certainly there are people that, that kind of want to push against what we like to do you know, not just hunting, but, but fishing as well. But I, I didn't want to really go that angle with it. However, I did want to really paint an accurate picture on how, how outdoorsmen are, you know, we're, we're a necessary part of the conservation picture. You know, we, we, um, I, I kind of broke the article down into to three categories. You know, I said that, that outdoorsmen, we possess the heart of a conservationist. 
we participate in the chores of a conservationist. And then also we involve ourselves politically and take on the political action of a conservationist. Yeah. And so I, I kind of went at it that way and, and tried to, you know, of course, fill in the, fill in the gap in between all that, but yeah. You know, I think we should just discuss the, the easy one, the easy home run uh, right away and just get it out of the way and then talk a little bit about the other things that hunters may or may not do uh, and why it is our, important for us to be conservationists, right? And the big one is we hunt and we kill an animal or we kill a natural resource on the land, whether it's private or public, right? We are yep. unlike a hiker or a, a camper, really, uh, or a bird watcher, they're not really taking anything away from the the land like hunters do. Like we are, we are right. actually taking something physical away with us, you know, or that's the goal anyway. Um, so do you think that as a hunter and because our, we take something away from the landscape, from, you know, nature, that it is that we have to be conservationists or we are automatically conservationists? Yeah, that's, that's such a, that's such a great question. You know, and that's actually the question I started the article off with is, you know, people look at us and say, how can you really be viewed that way when you're just taking, you know, and, and I suppose there is a point there. Um, but I actually appealed to uh, somebody with much more authority on this than myself, the, the great Aldo Leopold, <laughs> and used, used a quote from him. And I have that quote right in front of me here. And uh, it says, we abuse land because we regard it as a commodity belonging to us. When we see land as a community to which we belong, we may begin to use it with love and respect. So I, I really feel that you know, some of those other activities you mentioned, great activities, you know, I've, I've done a lot. If you put down the hours of hunting to the hours of hiking in my life, you know, I've done a whole lot more. I'm more of a hiker than a hunter, I guess, you know, <laughs> but, but, uh, um, when you, when you look at that kind of activity, you're observing and you're appreciating, but you're not in it. You know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're not, you're not in it as a part of the, I guess really the ecology that holds it all together. When you enter the the landscape as someone who's fishing for keeps or somebody who's hunting, you know, you're a predator and you're you're now you're the level of involvement that that you have in this whole picture that makes up makes up this ecosystem that you're in. I think you have a a, a better understanding of it and B you have a deeper appreciation for it because you know that there's there's some sort of give and take that that goes into that and it's not all taking and so you know then through the article i kind of fleshed out how we also give back yeah instead of just taking and of course you got you got bad examples of people out there you know that you know poachers for instance you know some guy some guy pulls up in a truck spotlights uh spotlights a deer out in a field and you know blasts it with a rifle you know that's not to me that's not hunting that's yeah. taking yeah, yeah. No. absolutely so let me ask you this cuz here's where it starts to get a little confusing right in yeah. in the world that i live in 
you know, people, you know, I am a hunter, but I, I don't think that hunt all hunters are conservationists, even though hunting is, I do believe that hunting is a form of conservation, right? Because the money that we spend on ammunition, on our gear, on, um, gas, you know, all these things, some of the taxes that we have to pay, the, the license, the tags, all goes back like habitat fees all goes back into, you know, budgets for the uh, the department of natural resources uh, to help fund conservation projects, all that stuff. So automatically we're giving back to the, uh, you know, to the natural resource that we're taking away from in, in a roundabout way. And it's set up that way, right? Where we don't even have to think about it or make the decision. We're just doing it because we're buying our tags and licenses. Now, I want to talk to you about the two arguments here is one is, well, we should be paying those taxes and those fees to help, you know, pay for the budgets for doing the thing that we love because we are taking away from the landscape. However, there's other people who get to enjoy that same landscape, like Mm -hmm. hikers, birdwatchers, campers, all those other people, and they don't have to pay anything for it. So right. that's where we start to see this this little tiff between people. And I've, I hear it all the time is, well, tch, I'm a hunter. I'm a conservationist automatically. And I, on the other hand, say, no, you're not. Because I feel, in my personal opinion, being a conservationist or supporting conservation is not a, not a participation trophy, right? It is a, right. you have to take additional steps outside of what your tags and outside of what your uh, license fees and all that stuff cost to be considered a conservationist. What are your thoughts and feelings on that? I think it's a great point. Um, you know, thinking of, and, and I know you're, you're, you're involved with this other excellent uh, uh, group, 2% for conservation. And I think that's, that's one of the, I don't know if it's the mission statement or the, <clears throat> excuse me, or the, the motto, but yeah, p- conservation shouldn't be a participation trophy. You know, I think you can, you know, almost like the example of somebody who's maybe not to the extent of someone poaching, but I think people can almost totally remove themselves from the act of what they're doing and make it a self-serving thing. And I think the same attitude can kind of lie within, oh yeah, well, I'm buying a, a hunting license and I'm buying a fishing license. And so, you should all thank me for that. I, I don't know. I just don't, I, I don't think that, that the actions always maybe equate to the intent of, of what you're doing. And certainly if all it was, was money being thrown at it and nobody to actually, uh, do the heavy lifting, so to speak, or, or to actually be in the field and, and making the changes and applying the cash, I guess, yeah. I mean, no work would be getting done. So, and, and even though y- you look at some of the things like the, the Pittman Robertson act and, and, you know, of course, license sales and so forth and, and tag sales and, and that does accomplish work for sure. And it does raise quite a bit of money. But as I look around, especially at public lands, which, 
you know, there, I'm sure we'll get into it at some point in the conversation, you know, the huge victory for public lands here recently, but, and as great as they are, when you go to a lot of public hunting grounds or, or, you know, public fishing holes, I see a lot of trash on the ground. I see, you see, you know, signs all shot up. And, and so certainly there's, there's work to still be done, you know, even though we are raising this money, we don't have to look very far to, to find a way to involve ourselves through actually doing something beyond just buying a license or, or paying tax on our shells that we use before duck season or pheasant season or whatever. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you. So what's that, what's the next step then? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question as well. Um, you know, he kind of mentioned, kind of mentioned how there, you know, there's a lot of other people besides just sportsmen who are enjoying these things. And so maybe we could, we could try to, you know, push for, I I believe there's been some talk about uh, a backpack tax, I think is what the kind of the, the nickname for it has been, um, where we could maybe kind of push for some of that stuff. And of course, activism, you know, goes hand in hand with that, but, but things that, that we can, you know, we can do beyond just, you know, looking for these major, uh, things like the great American outdoor act that was just passed and, and, um, you know, even defending some of our public lands, like the, the Pebble Creek mining thing here recently. And then I don't remember the name of the, the group involved, but the mining thing that basically got staved off up in the boundary waters area, you know, we can, we can certainly get involved in that, but that can almost, you know, take a, take kind of a, a backseat role as well. You know, when you think about it, if you're, you're just signing petitions every once in a while, you know, that's great. I don't want to minimize that, but again, you know, I think we can kind of almost just, just be content to not really take our physical self and put us in the role of, of conserving, you know? And so I, I think doing some cleanups, you know, um, when you're out shed hunting or looking for mushrooms or, or even, you know, even just hunting, you know, pheasant hunting or, or duck hunting or, you know, be mindful of where you're at. There's probably going to be some other shells either from you or buddy or from somebody else who was hunting there before you pick them up and, and you see trash in the water, you know, if you can reach it safely, grab it, see it on the, the banks, you know, um, you know, just, just clean up in that way. Right. And, and also when you, when you hear announcements of, Hey, there's going to be this big, you know, project, either clean up or maybe, uh, they're going to try and remove some invasive weeds or something like that. You know, see if you can, can fit some of that into your schedule or at least promote it to other people that, you know, raise some awareness. And, and, um, you know, I think, I think when we start involving ourselves at least a little bit in all of those different ways, you know, through the financial contribution, through the, through the, uh, political activism and through the physical boots on the ground getting work done, I think that's, you know, that's what it's all about. So at that, at that point, you really start getting into the, the great side that you can really look back on and feel positive about like, yeah, I was, I was involved in that, you know? Yeah. So, and I think one thing we all have to remember is I think automatically our brains go to project mode, right? Like as a individual, man, I don't have the time to do, take on a a project, 
right? Like it's hard. Even, even trying to find an hour a month sometimes in my life can be difficult, right? Or you're so busy. You see a piece of trash on the, on, on a, you know, uh, a public land parking spot or in the woods or in a state park. And you're just, you just look at it and you drive by it. Right. Yep. Yep. If I feel like if we take a step backwards and focus on the small things, and if we can get enough people excited about the small things, it can have a very large impact in the grand scheme of things, right? Picking up one wrapper or picking up one piece of trash or, you know, helping one hour of a volunteer work at a state park or at, uh, you know, cleaning out trails or or, or whatever, right? I think think if we we take our mind away from that aspect of things and put it into the, uh, you know, on a smaller scale, I think we can get just as equally amount, you know, the equal, the amount done in a, in a year. If we can just say, you know what, maybe this, this 30 seconds it takes to get out of my truck, pick this thing up, throw it in the back and then throw it away. Yeah. It could play a big impact if you do that a hundred times a year. Or if a hundred people do it one time a year, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, and how many of those projects would we not need to have? You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. If if we were just taking care of it a little bit, a little bit at a time, I think that's a, I think that's an excellent, an excellent suggestion for right. sure. Where where do you? Because th- I'd love to hear your opinion on this. I feel that people definitely want to be involved, like. We all know life is crazy, especially this year. I want to know. Yeah. I want to know <laughs> what your thoughts are on, you know, what do you think people want? Do you think people want to do these big projects, or do you think people want to do these little things? Because I feel people uh, want to, and they care about it. They just can't find the time. So, what would you say to someone who is feeling and thinking those things? in order to maybe try to coax them out and get them involved. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. You know, um, I, I think we all like having a a sense of belonging. Right. And, and that can be, you know, we just talked about how we don't always want it to just be a big project, but for now the big projects kind of need to exist because there's still a lot of work to be done. And when you go and do something like that, um, you know, I remember, uh, I, at the last school I was working at, we had an outdoor club and, uh, man, the kids that would come to that, you know, they, they really enjoyed it. And we did, we did some cool stuff that one of the things we did was there was this, a local wetlands area that let us bring the kids out and they could go kayaking and and fishing and stuff like that. And and so we kind of wanted to do something in return for them. And they had, they had gotten this huge donation of um, like white oak saplings and it was kind of a time sensitive thing. They needed to get in the ground. And so it wasn't like a, you know, let's uh, find a, let's find a day a month in advance, you know, and it wasn't like that. They just kind of got these and then they had like a week to get them in the ground. And so uh, the day that we ended up having to plant all these trees in a wetland, remember, you know, so pretty, pretty marshy area. It was like in April and it was absolute torrential rain. I mean, just like soak you to the bone rain. It was like su- such miserable conditions. But yet these trees had to get in the ground. And we were still able to, to bring along uh, 
couple kids that, that were still willing to brave the, brave the elements. And, you know, it, it was one of those, those things where you don't know that you're having fun while you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> type, type two fun. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but at the end, looking back, it's like, man, that was a great memory. You know, we, we, uh, we all kind of just came together, did this hard thing. Um, I'm sure the kids learned a lesson through that. We certainly, as the the people uh, leading the group, learned a lesson and and um, you know made some good connections and and you know it, it was it was one of those things where yeah it was hard to get up and get out there and do it but after we did it we were we were so happy but also you know it gave those kids a sense of a sense of belonging I, I don't think um, the kids that were on that trip were really big into sports or or any other clubs going on and you know, this, just going out and doing that kind of gave them that, that sense of community and, and belonging. And, you know, that doesn't change when we become adults, you know, it doesn't, we we like to have people around that are like-minded and I don't know about you, but the, we're, we're kind of talking about the heat in the summer, you know, forces me indoors so much because I just hate being like soaked in sweat and, and, you know, and so this is one, another excuse to just get us outside. If we go and do this stuff and, and be a part of it and, you know, keeps us from staring into the digital abyss, right. Being on our cell phones and, and watching TV and whatnot, you know, we're outside and we're, we're enjoying nature and, and certainly we're giving back and, and, uh, all that gives you that, that good positive altruistic vibe, you know, that you, where you just, you just feel good about yourself when, when you're done helping in that way. And so, um, my, my advice to somebody who's looking for it, keep looking. And if you need help finding, uh, (laughs) I'm sure you could reach out to, to Iowa Sportsman's Magazine and get my email address or, or, uh, get Dan's and, and, uh, we'd be happy to point you in the right direction. There's tons of excellent, organizations out there that are looking for for a set of hands and and uh, a willing spirit and, and a work ethic and uh, get a lot of work done yeah. if you uh, if you if you're looking for something for sure and, and I'm not talking about the the whitetails unlimited the pheasants forever the the big organizations I'm talking sure. even things small like v- people out there who love certain wildflowers or yeah. bird watching or um pollinators adopt a highway. Po- yeah, yeah adopt a highway or something yeah um you know where where do you think people should go look for that you know if if they are you know other than emailing us and then us telling them hey go research <laughs> right yeah. you know like wh- where should we look to find out where we can help yeah i would start with your county conservation board yeah um they, those guys, they work hard and, you know, we probably don't know any of their names, but, but I'm pretty sure every County's got one and, or they're joined together if you're a, you know, maybe a low population County or something, but, but there's definitely guys who spend time trying to figure that out. And, and, uh, there's a lot of work to be done. And if you called up and said, Hey, you know, how can I help? I know there's, there's a couple organizations even here in the quad cities that, that, uh, um, you know, really dedicate their time to organizing these events. You could, uh, reach out to one of them. Um, beyond that, you know, 
yes, some of the big ones, they, they do some events, but, but even non-hunting, non-fishing groups, like you mentioned, you know, there's, there's Audubon society, there's, there's, um, you know, a couple other, a couple other groups that you can, you can become a member of and, and, uh, just lend your hand and your, maybe in some cases your knowledge or your, your skill or, or even, even your strong back. And, uh, we'll be happy to take anyone who can, who can jump on with that. But, but yeah, start with your, your County conservation board and, and, um, you know, kind of work out, out from there and they'll, and it's one of those things, you know, you start networking with one group and it leads to connections in another group. And, you know, somebody, most of us are members of multiple, multiple, uh, groups that, that, you know, help fund conser- conservation or, or organize conservation projects. And so, uh, you start rubbing shoulders with, with one person, chances are they can, they can point in the direction of someone else who can, who can uh, line you up with some other stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. So, you know, once we have, because at some point there, there is a commitment that needs to be made. How serious right. are you at giving back? Right. And uh, obviously some of us can give back more than others. Mm-hmm. Some of us, you know, have this crazy life like myself where I've had to make this commitment to do something, find time to give back, to do something because I have the three kids. It, it, this year's crazy. I got a wife and all these, I got work and all these things demand attention. Right. right. So finding the time to go out and give back, especially, you know, with hunting season right around the corner, it's very difficult because guys like me and you have been waiting for this moment yeah. since we let the arrow go or pulled the last trigger last year. Yep. Right. So yep. now it starts to become time where it's like, okay, this is our turn. Right. It's our yep. time to get out. We start to get blinders on and think selfishly. How can we make a balance in our life do you think to where we can get out and give the time necessary to do these things yeah that's another that's another really good question um i was i was recently uh talking in class school school is officially resumed and i'm back to i'm back to being in the classroom which is great and being around the students and we were we were talking about uh you know, what makes a good scientist? I teach high school biology. We're like, what makes a good scientist? And, and, uh, one of the things I put on there is somebody who is self-reflective and, you know, every, every week, if you have an iPhone, you get that usually painful notification from, from Apple. That's like, this was your screen time this week. (laughs) And whenever I get that, it's like, man, you know, I know some of that was, was for work. But I know, also know some of that was was time that probably could have been better spent, and and um, so I try for me personally, I try to be self reflective and and look and and say, okay, here's some areas where you know I'm I'm burning time that could be much more productive, or maybe maybe I am spending it on good stuff, you know, maybe I am spending it being really productive. I'm not somebody who likes to who likes to be idle. I'm like constantly you know, busy doing something, but a lot of that stuff just kind of revolves around stuff for me, you know, whether I'm out, um, you know, doing some, some summer prep work for deer season, or, you know, I'm doing something with my dogs or I'm, I'm, uh, 
you know, checking out a new fishing hole or, or driving around scouting public ground, new public ground or something, you know, that's all great stuff. And it's, it's not, it's not wasted time, but maybe I could shave off some of that time or just be more focused while I'm out there. Hey, if I'm going to go and, and I'm going to spend this time kind of on myself a little bit, I need to at least bring a trash bag along with me and, and do some of that stuff that we talked about a little bit earlier where, you know, we're, we're really maximizing our time. We're kind of doing two things at once. And anytime you can, you can add efficiency to something like that. I think that's a, that's a always a win situation. You know, whenever you can, you can accomplish two things at one once, because you're right, there are so many demands and so many things that, that aren't just fun. They're just things that got to be done. And, and it's easy to get exhausted by those things and easy to, to almost like, like make us so tunnel vision focused on those fun things that we do like to do and not see the needs around us. And so I guess self-reflecting in that way. And, you know, something else I kind of want to, kind of want to point out is, you know, we talked about how we can't be content with just the, the financial contributions through our license sales and the, uh, Pittman Robinson, Robinson act money that the excise tax that, that we pay into a lot of times and, and so forth. Uh, and I agree with that. And, you know, I, I would, I would say that on my own even, but, um, if somebody is like, maybe you're, maybe you're listening and you're, you're somebody who's, uh, we'll say a, a seasoned outdoorsman, right? Maybe your, your youngest days of hunting and fishing are behind you. It's a little bit tougher to get out and get around and stuff. You know, there's nothing wrong if, if the best contribution you can make is through, through, um, uh, financial, contributions through to some of these different organizations like, uh, you know, pheasants forever or QDMA uh, or, um, uh, you know, ducks unlimited or whatever. That's, that is fantastic. And, and those, those groups are wise with their, their money and they do a lot of great, um, great projects. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I even say this in the article that I wrote, you know, we're enjoying some of the best days, in wildlife in America since, you know, the post post Boone and Crockett days, right. Um, that we have in a long time, uh, we wouldn't have to go back that far in time to, to find people, to find native Iowans who did not grow up with deer and turkeys around them, you know, and, and now we got them all over the place, which is, which is great. And a lot of that has come through the financial contributions from, outdoorsmen and, and through these different agencies. And, and I, I definitely don't want to minimize that. And so, and of course, the same thing goes with the, the political activism, you know, that's, that's another thing. If you're, you're limited on your physical capabilities now, you know, certainly that's, that's a way, even if your, your time is, is eaten up or whatever, you can, you can make a difference that way too. So I don't want to minimize that either, but, yeah. but yeah, you know, looking, looking for ways to be efficient while we're in the field is a big way. And then kind of like you said, you just got to schedule it too. You got to look at your schedule and say, I am going to do one hour this month of yeah. just, just doing some work. Yeah. And I think if you play your cards right and you involve your family, it can yeah. actually turn out to be quite a fun activity. Right. For sure. And I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, it wasn't this summer, but it was last summer and the summer before 
where I put my two oldest kids in the truck, drove out, and I had, you know, had a garbage bag. We picked up trash at parking lots on the public ground, on mm-hmm. the parking spaces. Man, we filled up quite a bit of trash, and then I took them to ice cream after afterwards. That's and awesome. It was, it was a great day of bonding, you know, just bonding. But yeah, what what I really thought or liked about it was the fact that we did this they realized it was kind of hard and it was we got sweaty and we got dirty but now my daughter every time she sees a a beer can on the side of the road or a piece of garbage she pretty much makes me pull over so she can hop out (laughs) and go get it even in like even when we're in a hurry right to get somewhere (laughs) yeah it's it but what happened was it stuck and now it's somewhat important to her which means that if it's important to her that means what we did is we just created another generation where things like these conservation like things like animals and nature and conservation are important to that next generation because they've seen how we do it even if it was something for just an hour, right? Go pick up trash yeah. for an hour, go get some ice cream, good day. And now it's almost like, well, I mean, dad, do you want to go pick up trash? And and maybe yeah. it's just so they get ice cream, but guess what? <laughs> they know that they're doing something that's good in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. You know, that makes me think of like, as, as out, outdoorsmen and, and, and dads, you know, we want so badly for our kids to, want to do that stuff you know it's just it's kind of like the sport you played growing up you want your kid to do it you want them to enjoy it and and so what do we do we we get them involved as early as possible you know i'm I'm planning to to bring my son along for some dove hunting this year just so he can kind of be around hunting a little bit and and kind of start start building that love but that's the exact same thing you were doing when you brought your kids to go pick up trash and, and and it doesn't even have to you know we keep talking about picking up trash which is is probably the the most pressing issue yeah. honestly but but it could be doing a habitat improvement project right. you know bring bringing your kid and explaining you know uh you know we we maybe you're doing a burn off on some crp or something you know that, that probably looks kind of strange to a little kid why on earth would we light all this grass on fire well we explain that cuts down invasive species helps with helps uh the Grass growing a little bit thicker, a little bit healthier, restores nutrients back into the soil, which helps improve water quality, which makes better habitat for, you know, things like, like deer and pheasants and turkeys that that we love to hunt, but also all the songbirds and pollinators and stuff, the the non-game species that are such an important part of the ecosystem that that we love so much and and a part of really uh. A, kind of almost recreating a bit of native Iowa, you know? And so I, I think that, that when you can start building that, that love and that fire in our kids early on, it just, it it grows and grows and grows. And then, you know, next thing you know, you got, you got another, another future uh, conservationist out there. So I think that's, that's an excellent tip. And it's funny, you know, we, we talked a little bit about conservation and, you would be surprised at the amount of companies that are in the hunting industry that do not give any money to any conservation Mm. organization, even when their sales 
rely on the hunting of that animal, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. So a lot of these companies just aren't giving back. So what happens now is, you know, and it's sometimes it's hard to go into a company and say, hey, man, you need to do more to support the the back end of your business, right? To support right. this deer that if I buy your product, it's going to help me kill this animal and therefore next year I'm going to come back and buy it again. Right. Right. Like that's how I operate, but you yeah. know, it, it's hard for it, you know, in, in their defense, I run my own business. It's hard. If someone came to me and said, Hey man, give me X percentage yeah. out of your budget. I, I get it. But I feel like it's, it should just be, I don't want to say mandatory because that would, you know, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but I feel like more companies need to get involved and not just write a check involved because, you know, although some companies can't just write a check, there are big companies that all they do is write checks, but then guess what? They don't put in the time. They feel like they can just write it off. Like, oh, we're big enough to just write this big check, which don't get me wrong. Money helps a lot of things, but boots on the ground helps a lot of things too. Well, and that, you know, that's where you gain that critical experience too, because when you do, when you are on the ground and you are, you are doing the work, you see what the need is, you know, you see how, how to better give that money, you know, wow, we've been, we've been giving money to support this. Well, that's actually doing okay. Maybe we should shift those funds a little bit and start working on, on this problem over here. And so, yeah, that's, that's, spot on yeah you gotta and, and if back to what you're saying too you know not even just on the company level but each each hunter and each fisherman and and even the people that aren't that aren't you know as we started the conversation with quote-unquote taking from the ecosystem you know the bird watchers the hikers the the um just people out enjoying the beauty of nature you know if we aren't if we aren't given at least something then we, we are ultimately kind of allowing this to be taken away from us down the road, you know? And, and, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. We're, we want to, want to protect, we want to protect a commodity that could easily, you know, return to the condition that it was in just a generation ago. Yeah. Do, do you think that the way things are set up now that buying tags and licenses is just maintenance on the system or is it actually helping anything? Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think that we're getting some good work done here in Iowa. You know, there's been a lot of, um, rehabs of state parks. I know Makoka Caves, they've just done a, they just did a big renovation. Uh, I think it's a lake in uh, yep. south or west of iowa city just went yep. through an amazing transformation and and i've seen the before and after difference of that lake and it is crazy how crystal clear that water is after yeah. this project yeah yeah exactly yeah there's one here in my county too scott county the uh, west lake over there on off of 280 they're doing a huge a huge uh project over there dredging out the lakes rebuilding up the shoreline and stuff you know i've seen a lot of that and and uh so that that tells me that the money's being managed 
at least decently well. You know, I, I don't have any criticisms there. I, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, state something that I don't know enough about. And, and so, but I think there's, there's definitely evidence of, of good management and good use going on. And, um, but at the same time, you know, uh, with, there was what the bump in, was it last year we had the little bump in, uh, resident tag prices. It went up from 2850 to, I think 33 bucks this year. Does that sound right? Yeah. I just purchased my, uh, my tag and, and then an additional doe tag this year. Yeah. And I noticed a, a slight bump, but you know, I look at that and I say, that's cheap. Like, yeah, I know there's too. states out there that are cheaper. I know there's states out there that are more expensive, but, and I, and I know, what a person can afford is relative, right? right? Like you may make more money than me or I may make more money than you. So, you know, $30 to some people may be a lot of money and to others, it's just a drop in the bucket. But my opinion is if you're spending that much time out in the woods for a, yeah. you know, oh, like yeah. what's, what's a hunting license, the combo, the hunt fish combo, $50 for the whole year. Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, plus it's, the habitat fee is fifty five dollars. Like, yeah, to me, oh, I think I might actually have it right here in front of me because I want to get this number right, and I'm just gonna. It might even be less than that. It might be like. Yeah, I think it might actually. Be I'm less. trying okay. to remember. Hunt fish combo, outdoor combo uh, is fifty five dollars. Hunt fish yeah. habitat fifty five dollars. Okay. Yeah, that's that's so, dirt cheap. Uh, yeah, obviously you have to pay for your tags as well. Right. And, you know, depending on yep. what you buy, like my spring Turkey this year was, you know, 28 bucks third, you mm -hmm. know, I paid, you know, I'll get a couple doe tags for my bow and my buck tag. So now you're starting to get into a little bit more money there, but you think about it, $55 for your hunting license. Yeah. Where and you, that's the, you can, that's do, the chase. That's the chase world-class whitetails. Yeah. I mean, and not just whitetails. You right. can hunt dove, you can yep. hunt squirrel, you can hunt turkeys, you can hunt pheasants, right? You know, like there's some, there's probably yeah. some more, uh, like stamps when you get into the duck hunting side of thing and trapping, right. but this allows you for hours and hours and hours of entertainment if you want it yep. to. Yep. Yep, one hundred percent. It's it's nearly free when you break down the cost per hour. And and like you said, so many of those things we don't even have to buy additional tags for. You know, just getting the hunting license allows you to get out there and, and enjoy it and and you know, fill your freezer. And, Especially fishing. You yeah. buy a fishing license and there's no tags. There's just yep. limits you have to abide by. Right. Yep. So that's to me that's and, Yep, with the exception of trout. Yeah, yeah. that's yep. that's that's the, and even that, you know, a trout stamp, I think is $12 or something like that. You know, it's, it's so, yep. it's, it's, it's the best, it's the best entertainment money can buy as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So how do we, how do we close this? How do we close this episode? Yeah. You know, I think the, the purpose of me writing this article was was kind of twofold we talked about the the one you know being we want to make this case that that outdoorsmen play this critical role you know and um in the article i highlight you know we've kind of focused here heavily on on just the the boots on the ground aspect of it and the digging into the wallet aspect of it but i think 
you know, my second goal here would obviously be to encourage people to, to take it up a step and to, uh, to push, push a little bit further to, to get involved through conservation. But in order to do that, we kind of have to look at what is it we're doing right now? You know, if, if we're doing kind of the same thing every year, that's great. And if it's, you know, it's working and we're happy, that's great. But maybe you can, maybe you can add some of this, these additional elements and, you know, maybe, maybe even doing some reading on, on, uh, habitat management a little bit, you know, well, before you, you jump into it, maybe meet with, a uh, Iowa DNR forester. You know, I just, I actually just did that back at the beginning of the month. I, there's a property that I hunt and I want to do a little bit of timber stain improvement work on. And, and I, I, thought I would, uh, start doing a little calling around and I started with the NRCS and, <clears throat> and they were like, actually, you know, in Iowa, most of that work you're going to do with, uh, uh, Iowa DNR Forester. And so, um, I talked to them and they came out and they walked through the timber with me and man, I learned so much. And I think that's kind of the, the foundational point, right. Is, is educating yourself seeing, cause it, it shows you what the needs are and, <clears throat> and excuse me, not only what the needs are, why they are the needs, you know, why is it that you need to, you need to do this work and, and what are the, what are, what's the ripple effect well beyond just having a better area to, to hunt, you know, what, what does this do for the, the greater ecosystem? And I think when we start, when we start doing that, it, it starts to almost build that intrigue in our brain that brings us back time and again to, to do this work and, and makes us enjoy it. Kind of like you talked about with your kids, you know, that makes you, makes you see the fun and enjoy seeing the progress and enjoying that, that just that good feeling you get from doing something that's worthwhile and that goes well beyond just yourself. And, you know, when, when you put in a good, you put in a, a, a better stand of, of timber or a better CRP field or a better food source, it doesn't just benefit your farm. You know, it benefits your neighbors. It benefits, it benefits, um, uh, a whole, a whole area that, you know, the whole, the whole, you know, I guess we'd call it a flock of turkeys or a whole, uh, uh, um, herd of deer or, or, you know, all the, all the upland species and stuff, you know, it benefits all of them and far more than what we end up taking and, and, um, makes them healthier, helps, helps prevent spread of invasive species and, and spread of diseases even, and, and degraded water quality. And, and, um, if we, if we just start digging into it a little bit deeper than we ever have before, I think it's, I think it'll kind of almost run away with us in a good way. You know, it'll, it'll become one of our favorite things to do. I hear it all the time from, from, uh, guys who are really big into managing their, their properties and stuff that becomes their favorite part of it. And I think it's because they know that it's, it's, it's truly giving back, you know, it's truly, it's truly making a difference. And it's something that is going to last well beyond their hunting and fishing days. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully those trees we, we plant and those, those, um, uh, species we protect, they'll be around for our great grandkids to enjoy someday. And though, and not just hunting, but, but for bird watchers, for, for, um, you know, beekeepers, for, for, um, 
wildflower enthusiasts, you know, just, just all people who, who enjoy the great outdoors. Um, they all get a benefit from, from when we do that. And so if I could encourage you to do, do anything, just take it a step farther than you ever have before. And again, if, if, if for whatever reason you're, you're not able to necessarily be there in the physical and doing that, you know, look for, look for other, um, groups to join, you know, maybe you've been a, a member of pheasants forever for, for 20 years, you know, look into maybe joining, uh, uh, NWTF or maybe, uh, joining ducks unlimited as well, or, or get in with, uh, of course, QDMA just merged with, uh, National uh, Deer Alliance. Yep. Right. Right. And so, you know, um, you know, looking, looking to support them and, and, um, you know, and of course, just keeping your, keeping your eye on the news, you know, every time something comes up that seems like it could, it could threaten wildlife and, and, um, and all the, the native plants and everything, and not just our area, but, but around the, the country, um, look, look for a way to reasonably get yourself involved. Um, right. a, a great, a great quote I heard recently in, in the, the, everything going on with, uh, the great American outdoor act was, um, I think it was by a uh, land Tawny, the, the, um, the director of uh, BHA back country hunters and anglers. Um, he said, there's nothing more. I'm pretty sure it was him. I should, I guess I shouldn't say he said, but I think it was, <laughs> but, uh, he said, there's nothing more American than our public lands. And so, um, I, I think he's spot on. You know, when you when you think that you can, when you really think about it, you can hop in your car and you can go somewhere to some of these vast areas and enjoy the things that we enjoy for 100% free. And that that's a that's a uh, to me that that's about as good of a feeling of freedom as you can really you can really uh, put your hands on as far as you know having having a free country. So I I think um, that should you know, make us grateful, but then should also turn us back to action and saying, okay, how can I give back to this great thing and how can I keep it that way and, and, uh, promote it for generations to come. And so absolutely just keep pushing that step farther. Absolutely. Every little bit moves the needle and, uh, man, I really appreciate you hopping on the podcast today. Thank you very much for, uh, uh, this article and doing what you do and uh, good luck this fall yeah thanks dan i really appreciate it thanks for thanks for having me on and that brings us to the end of another iowa sportsman podcast just a, a quick review here if you haven't subscribed to the iowa sportsman magazine go to iowasportsman.com and you can sign up for the magazine there and while you're there read some of those articles that they have there. There's the tons of great hunting strategy, tons of great content coming out of not only the magazine, but the blogs as well on the website and here on the podcast as well. So if you guys want to want a lot of great Iowa focused content or, you know, some of this content even can be translated across the entire Midwest, right? It's the principles that you can take with you across state lines. Uh, Go to iowasportsman.com, subscribe to the magazine, check out quietcat.com, and have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you next time. Mm